Well, praise the Lord. Like I said, it's going to be a little bit different tonight, but I'm still glad y'all came. And I don't know where everybody's at tonight, but I pray that if you're watching through the internet that you'll get blessed tonight through what you hear and that the Lord will strengthen you. As I was just telling the people here that today is our anniversary, not our marriage anniversary, but our spiritual anniversary. Today's 25 years since we got saved, and I was just thinking, man, where has the time gone? 25 years. And uh, it's like the time, is just you look back and like, how did this all happen so fast? And it seems like the older you get, the quicker the time goes by, too, though. I remember when I was 16 or 17 years old, I kept saying, I can't wait till I get 18. I can't wait till I get 18. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I can't wait till I turn 18. You just feel like everything is going to be different when you're 18. You're going to be do this and do that. And then after that, the years just start clicking off. And then before you know it, you're 21. You say, I can't wait till I'm 21. And after 21, so when you hit about 30 or 40, it even goes faster. But thank the Lord we're still here tonight after 25 years. I was preaching, what, a month ago, and I said, if the Lord helps us, we're going to make it to 25 years. So we <laughs> made it to 25 years by the grace of God. We're going to share some of our testimony tonight, and I told my wife that I wanted to maybe pick up, not uh, not going to the testimony of how we got saved and all that. I mean, many of you have heard that uh, a lot, and it's online. It's on our Facebook page, too. But I felt like that we should pick up from where, um, somewhere along where we, uh, we we were called in the ministry and we started our church. Actually, this year too, I think it's the middle of the year, will be 19 years since we started this church right in the living room of our house, our home up in uh, uh, off of Sugarland there near Little North City in Loudoun. And um, we started, well, we, we always said, we always said we, we'll never pastor a church. We don't want to pastor, and we're not going to do this, and we're not going to do that in ministry, you know. And just be careful about what you say you won't do. Because many times when you say you're not going to and you don't want to, it, it, can, it can all turn the other direction. When the Lord's in something, I've learned to, learned to not say, I'm, not, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do that. And let the Lord do the leading and guiding because we said that many times. Uh, we'd been to a few churches, you know, we've seen how things run and how things go. Of course, pastors, they have problems, have to deal with stuff. And, you know, we kind of didn't care about any of that. And we said, we don't, we'll never, we'll never pastor a church and everything. So, uh, but we, we, uh, after we got saved, a couple of years of, we went to some churches and, and some we stayed, I don't know, a year couple years I guess at the first one down here in Loudoun before we ended up leaving and uh, going to another church later on the church of God wasn't it and Joe Wallace's mm-hmm. church where we spent a couple of years year two there and uh, at just small churches too and the Lord would move in some of them churches especially the church of God church Joe Wallace I know some of those services they used to have uh, there they were powerful I mean we could you could feel the spirit of God but uh, the Lord, as each church we went to, when our time was up and we had to move on and whatnot, I felt like it was the Lord, it was a teaching ground for us to show us things, to teach us things, because he was going to call us to start a church. But we didn't know that. And um, so it was about 2000, it was 2005, wasn't it? wasn't when we actually started. And I don't remember exactly what month it was, but as I said, by this but by this time, we had been to 
three or four churches or whatever, and then we were looking for another church at the time, and uh, we had visited some different churches. We were looking for a church, you know, that where they preached the truth and where there wasn't any, you know, wishy-washy stuff going on. You could walk in. You could hear the Word of God preached. You could hear some good music, you know, anointed music, be touched by the power of God, and we couldn't find any. We were just... It was getting harder and harder, and we just we got discouraged, to be honest with you, because we couldn't find a good biblical church. And uh, I, I remember the last one we went to. You probably still remember when we uh, walked we walked through the doors. Michaela was just a little bitty thing. She must have been a year. I don't know what two or three or four years old, maybe. And we hardly ever would take her to a nursery of any church we ever went to. She usually stayed with us most of the time because if we didn't know anybody, we just wouldn't put her with anybody. And we walked through the doors of this church. It was a Church of God church up in Lenore City because we thought, well, we're going to try. We'll try one more and we'll see how things go. And we were discouraged at this point. But um, we walked through the doors, went in, and as soon as we walked into the sanctuary... I saw the lights were real dim, and then I looked up on the walls, and I guess you remember this. I looked, and all the way around the sanctuary, the the sanctuary walls up at the top was lined with baseball caps representing different baseball teams. And I thought, that's kind of odd. Doesn't seem normal for a church. What's what's the deal with that? Anyway, we both kind of looked at it, and, you know, we thought, well, okay, we'll give it a chance, you know, and... um, she ended up taking Michaela back to the nursery, and she came back out and sat down, and we were trying to, you know, to get into the service. And I, I remember this woman got up. I, you still remember this? Mm-hmm. This woman got up, and I don't know who she was, and she was opening the service. She was saying different things whatnot. And then she said, we had, we all had the greatest time over at the pastor's house what, last week. We had a sleepover. And when she said that, I just... I looked at my wife and I said, something ain't right. I said, go get Michaela and we're, we're leaving. And she got up, went and got her daughter and we walked out and we left and we never went back. But, you know, just it just didn't didn't feel right. And so I thought, why, is it, why, why are grown adults having a sleepover at a pastor's house anyway? You know, it's silly. But um, anyways, so we were discouraged and we left and we went home. And we were praying about what to do. Of course, we were watching Brother Swaggart by this time anyway. We were watching on the Internet, and we were already, we were learning. We were exposed to the message of the cross. We were learning the truth, and God was doing some good things in our life. And um, I remember we, we decided that we would just start meeting at our house, and every Sunday morning that we would go into our computer room. And there was no SBN back then or any any of the stuff they have now was just you could watch through the live service uh, through the computer. And that's what we would do at my mom's when we would go visit her. But we we sat in there, and and then we had uh, Roger started coming. you got to remember, though, in 2001 was when we went to our first camp meeting. Mm Mm-hmm. So in the middle, in, in all of this time, we're going to camp meetings every year. Yeah, that's we what we did. We did whatever it took to get there. And then, we're, so going to all those churches, we're learning, listening to Brother Swagger. And you got to know, this is before Facebook and YouTube. All the social media wasn't, I mean, I don't even know if we had, well, I guess we had cell phones, but 
not like today's. So there wasn't, you, you weren't just lock, you know, clicking Facebook or YouTube. So we had to make effort. You had to dial up and get on the Internet and watch him that way. And that's what we would do. So from 2001 till 2004, 2005, we're watching that and learning. And then we go to these churches and we're like, this is, we would know immediately. Number one, we're newborn believers. We're on fire. We know, you know, we're still, we're feeling the power of the Lord. And we're learning the truth. We're reading our Bible. We're studying. We're learning. We're growing in the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord. So when we would go to this church, these churches, we would know instantly. You could feel it instantly yeah. if it was right or not. And we didn't have any problem getting up in the middle of service and leaving. So when people come in here and they get up and leave, we know we've been there and done that. Except they're leaving because they're rejecting what's being said, or the preaching of the gospel. And then we're rejecting things that weren't right false doctrine or whatever. Well, our eyes had been opened at this point to the message, to knowing what is truth and to be led by the Holy Spirit. The, I hope that helps you place us where we are at that time. The purpose-driven life was a big thing mm-hmm. back then. It's, it's when the it was coming out, the purpose-driven life. And they were, you know, they were exposing these things mm-hmm. and showing where these things were wrong. And I remember one of the churches we went to in Farragut, you may not remember it, it was, we didn't realize it until we got in, you know, we went and started looking at some of the material, finding out uh, some things. And I remember that he was preaching and they, he got to talking about, you know, promoting the purpose-driven life. And I said, <laughs> we're getting out. It was, assembly of, it was Assembly of God Church, I believe it was. And uh, so we just, you know, everywhere we'd go, it seemed like there was this mixture of the world and the things that are not right. Not that we were looking for a perfect church, but right. that little church in, in uh, Lenore City, that little church of God, probably 25 people, I'd What's say we closest? felt the most powerful move of the Spirit than we did in any church we ever went we to. We went down, we drove to Cleveland, yeah, down to the last exit in Cleveland for a while. Down to Dalton Pike. Mm-hmm. We would get up and Brother we would, we would go down there. We went to Brother Beatty's church, Pine Hill Church of God. Morning and night. We and uh, it was a decent church. I mean, uh, but there was things there. It was de- denominational, a church lot of denominational stuff. And so it hindered him somewhat, I think, in a lot of areas. But he preached some messages that were mm-hmm. really good. But um, The singing was good. It was <laughs> because they're, they're so anointed to play mm-hmm. those uh, piano and everything, you know, and to sing. But we, um, so we were going back and forth and, you know, we'd been, like I said, we'd been all over the place. And we finally, after we left that last one, though, I remember we were discouraged and we were like, this is it. I said, we're not going to another church. I'm not looking for anything. I said, we're going to sit home. If we have to sit home on a computer and listen to Brother Swagger, that's what we're going to do rather than go to some, some church where people's nuts and where you're not getting anything and there's no anointing, there's no preaching. We're better off here, so that's what we started doing. And um, before long, I remember Roger. I think we had Roger because we met him at the first church, mm-hmm. and then we had Gene and Ernie because we met them in Cleveland. Gene's Miss Gene's husband Ernie was still alive at the time. Uh, they were it was Roger, Miss Gene, Ernie, and uh, the crazy couple from Baton Rouge. <laughs> well, they they left. Thank God. Uh, was there anybody else? Was it just us? One, two, three, four, five, six people, I guess, when we started. Something like that. Maybe, but Maybe, did Brian come? He might have come. Miller. He may have come a few times. But 
we mom? we started so we started off by listening you know going in there we would get dressed like we were going to church we didn't sit you know put our lounging clothes on we put church clothes on we'd go in and we would get into the service with them like we were having church because that's what we wanted and you know a few of us started out and we had five or six there and so we were doing this you know week after week for months i guess and I, I, I started feeling that the Lord was, you know, dealing with me about a church, you know, about doing something, starting something, but I wasn't sure. And uh, the last few times that we went into that computer room, we were all in there having church. I just, I didn't feel right in there. I felt like the Lord was telling me it's time to stop this, you know, it's time to stop this and uh, go further with it. And I remember the last time, it, I guess about the last time it ever happened, after we finished in the computer room, church was over, everybody left and uh, went home or whatever, she came to me and she said, I'm going to tell you something, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I feel like that you need, it's time to get out of that computer room. It's time to get in there and start preaching. I said, oh, Lord, I know the Lord is talking to me because this is what I was feeling. She says, time to get out of, out of, it's time to get out of the computer room. It's time to start, you know, make, start a church ourselves, you know, out of it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I was feeling that. And um, we so, I didn't know what to do. I never started, I never pastored a church. I know we've been to churches, but I didn't know, you know, we were learning the message of the cross. I, I was gaining a little bit of knowledge about, you know, Romans 6 and these things about sanctification. But I hadn't had any experience in ministry. I mean, I had experience living for the devil, <laughs> You know, running around in the world doing his work. But we had learned some things, I think, from those churches enough. I think God allowed some of that stuff to happen to teach us things so that it would help us when he would call us. So the thing we said we'd never do, here the Lord is moving on us to do it. And um, I'm like, you know, this this is, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to step out. And we're, we're going to get out of this computer room. I'm going to tell the people what we're going to do. And I remember, um, I think, I still remember one time we weren't in the computer room. We were in our little kitchen around a table, sitting at a table with our Bibles out, studying the Bible. I still remember that. And eventually, there's a picture back there. You, if you put that picture up now, it's the only one I got. We're going to find some more pictures later on of when we uh, got established. There it is right there. That's around 2005. Um Let's see. Around 2000, yeah, 2005, I'm about 34 years old, 35 years old, and there's my pulpit, and a little roll-around table, and I had my Bible laid on it, uh, some tissues, I guess, underneath. Is that I don't know diapers? If that's, is that Roger on the front? If that's a diaper? No, Michaela's not in diapers. I think that's um, Ernie. Ernie, maybe that's Ernie. And so, but that was the living room of our home right there right there and I just got up and I just started preaching I just did you know the best I could week after week and um that's where that's where it all started at right there the very next 19 years ago the last service that we were in that room in that computer room which is not very big it was a very small little room after we had discussed starting to church starting to move it into the living room <clears throat> the you next time we down. met roger comes walking in the door and he because he, he was coming and he said 
We were questioning just, about yeah. what, when we was this start, really the Lord. How are we going to do it? And Roger comes in and goes, I don't know, but I just feel like I'm supposed to give my tithe here. <laughs> yeah. And I said, okay. And and I took that money. We said, what are we going to name it? I said, well, what other name is there? Family Worship Center. We didn't know what kind of name, so we just named it Family Worship Center and went down and got all the appropriate documents to start it with the... He gave the very first check, Roger the, did, the very first yeah. tithe. And we were still kind of, you know, questioning, Lord, is this, do you really, is this what you want? And he walked up and he gave, he gave that check and said, I feel like this is where the Lord wants me to tithe. And I said, okay, Lord. You know, so, I mean, more confirmation, step by step. And he, the Lord, he gave us that confirmation. And uh, so that's, that's where we started. And I guess we were there, what, months or something before we, then, well, then, it wasn't long after we felt like um, that that the Lord was, it, it was time to move. We felt we like moved. it was time to move. We felt like the Lord wanted us down this, in this area. We didn't know exactly where uh, we were going or anything. We just started praying about it, and we both felt like, you know, that uh, we that, that little house there you saw us, me standing in preaching. So our very first house, the Lord blessed us and with the ability to get our very first house, never we never had anything like that before we were saved, and so we'd been in that house for about a year, year and a half, I guess, and then we felt like the Lord was moving on us to move. We didn't know exactly where; we just knew this direction, southward. So we started praying about it. We didn't know enough. Let me insert: we knew enough that we had been to enough churches for a length of time in Loudoun and there in Lenore City that we had gone there enough, that we knew enough not to start a church in that same town that I it wouldn't that be now. right. Right, I remember that now. And not that, not, that, not that they were a message of the cross churches, but we just knew it would be maybe offensive or it would cause problems. We just knew enough that you just don't do that. And we didn't want to be close to them either. So we... We didn't want to do that and make it look like it was retaliation or anything of the sort, which was the Lord teaching us. And so that's when you, we were praying and the Lord sent you on the road and you started driving. You said, I think we should go to this area. I, I drove all over the place. I drove to Athens. I drove down Highway 11 many times. I was running all over these towns, Nyota. Sweetwater, Athens. We had been to church in Philadelphia for a long and, time too. Yeah, and um, and and we were praying about it, but I kept feeling, you know, this area down here. I didn't, but I didn't know where. So we we said, okay, Lord, here's what we're going to do. You want us to do this, and this is you. We're going to put our house up for sale, and if this house sells, then we know for sure. This is what you want us to do. We put that house up for sale, and that house was sold within, what, four or five weeks? Yeah, we were gone. In, I mean, it was, it was over in six weeks. It blew us away. And we, didn't we didn't have anywhere to live. We didn't have live. a place to live. <laughs> we didn't have a place to live. And so now we're look. I mean, we've been looking for a place to live. We're driving, again, driving all down around here looking. I'm on the computer looking for homes and stuff like that. And we, uh, the house that we eventually moved into, it's kind of funny because... Her mom and dad were in the same situation. They, they had just moved here yeah. and were staying somewhere. And they had went, I guess they had went to our former house to look at it them, them se- to themselves. The so, realtor had taken Because them. they were looking for a house. So they saw this house, but they passed it up and eventually found them something else. And so we're, we've, we're exhausted about where to live. 
and we don't know what we're doing, what we're going to do or anything. And so her mom and dad called one day and said, maybe y'all should come down here and look at this, this house down here that we looked at or whatever. And I'm like, where is it at? Da, da. And we'd already looked at it, but the thing we didn't like about it was it had five acres of land, but it was it. all overgrown, and you couldn't see anything. Like, I'm not living in no woods. And, you know, we just drive by. Like, we ain't living in no woods. We ain't living there. And so <clears throat> after they, you know, they, they called and just told her about it with us, they said, uh, we said, well, let's go, look, let's go back and look at the house because we didn't go in the house. We just drove by the property. And so when we got there and we walked in the house, oh, my gosh, we walked around the house. And, I mean, I, you could feel the presence of God, too. And I'm like, I'm like, what in the world were we thinking? We're walking through this house and we're looking at it and thinking, perfect man, for this us. is perfect. This house is, this is exactly, and it's a little big. It's bigger than what we had. We're going, house payments going to be a little bit higher, but, you know, Lord, you can take care of that. And long story short, we we got that house and closed on that house. And, and the Lord, we got in that house. We sold that house we were living in. We only lived there a year and a half and made a lot, twelve or $13,000 profit. Of course, we put the money into the next house and doing some things to get into it. And so that's where we, we ended up. And that was in Nyota off of County Road 250. And we uh, were having church at the... Well, yeah, that's another part at of the, the story, though. At the same time, but so, we didn't know where it was. So, yeah, so <laughs> we, so what we had done is to back up a little bit, we transferred church from the house we used to live in up near the North City sold it. down to this hotel conference room off of exit 305, exit uh, 42, isn't it? 52. 52? 52. Yeah. 52. And it was used to be an old Ramada Inn hotel, and it had a conference room. And so we ended up, because we were calling all over the place trying to find a place to have church, and that just happened to be the one that we found. And they rented us a little conference room about mm, half the size of this room here, yeah. maybe a little bigger. And, uh, I mean, cheap. They rented it to us cheap, gave us a good price on it, Hindus on it. They were nice people. They were, you know, good to us or whatever. And uh, we had some blowout services in that conference room. I mean, the power of God, we had some good services there. We, in, we were there having church. So we, we had always taken the interstate to get off this exit to go to where we're having church. Well, we move into this house we're living in. We don't know the area, and so we're always taking this long way around, going the other way back to interstate. So one day we said... Let's turn right and go down this road and let's see where it comes out at. We've never been down this road and let's just check it. So we, we turned right instead of going left and we followed our little old zigzag seven mile county road all the way to the end to the stop sign and it's dead end of stop sign right in front of where we were having church. I mean, right in front of it. I'm like, we're like, what in the world? Look at this. This comes right out where we're having church. So, that, you know, all these little things, and you're like, wow, you know, this, the Lord has put, put this stuff together. And um, so we ended up, we moved here. We started, that's where we, we, we had service for, what, two, three years? I don't know. We stayed there until the... We went to the Magnuson and then back. They called us back to come back. They they were going to sell it or something. The, there was a, or was it alcohol? a bar open next 
in the same yeah right next and you can't have a church in the same building as a bar so we had to leave even though we were there first and actually it was somebody that had gone to our church that got mad at us so they opened a bar so that we would have anyway we went to Sweetwater Magnus and then we went then they closed up they didn't last (laughs) imagine that and they called us and asked us to come back and we went back and we stayed there until we went to Maple Plaza we found Maple Plaza and we stayed there until this came. So we were there um, and then it was 2005, 6, 7, 8. Um, Probably 8, eight maybe. Eight, 8 or 2009, we had uh, Lauren Larson for the very first time came from Jimmy Swaggart Ministries to preach for us there at that hotel. And we were... Uh, we probably had seats for 40, 50 people in the area where we were having church. And I'll never forget when he came, I, <laughs> we took him down to the hotel to show him the room and everything. And he saw the chairs sitting out in the little area. He's like, brother, you think this is going to be big enough? I'm like, well, yeah, I guess so. Well, don't you think? He said, I, "Can you? is that partition back there? Does that open up? I said, yeah, I, guess, I think it does. We've never used that. He said, you might want to see if you can get some more room. So we we talked to them. We opened that thing up, and we stretched chairs, I mean, all the way back. And thank God we did because it was packed. I mean, people, were they were jam-packed in that place. Michaela had started people. singing before this, hadn't she? She had started singing. Uh, just maybe around that time. She was... She wasn't singing in church, per se, I don't think. And she was singing with CDs. She would sing yeah. with them. She sang with the CDs. She was probably, oh, she was little then, eight years old. Probably eight years Maybe. old. Eight years old, nine years old. And um, so we started out there, and we spent, like I said, two or three years. And, I mean, we had some powerful services, but... We also have some powerful opposition. The, the opposition began when we, actually when we started when there. When we were at the house. Yeah, it started at the house, but it got worse, I believe, that when we went into that building. And we, we had, there were times, I mean, that little, that little um, hotel conference room, we would have 30, 40 people at a time. It would be, it'd be packed. But I began to preach, and I began to preach, and I would kind of step outside of the box a little bit and, not be so confined to, you know, notes or anything like that and just want to hear from the Lord and preach on a subject and say what he wants. And I found out as I began to preach more and kind of get out of the box and uh, mention things, talk, call out sins, talk about, you know, things the Bible does, I, I started experiencing opposition from some people. And then, you know, uh, sometimes they'd get mad. They'd want to argue. Sometimes I, or they'd get up and they just walk right out. Um, like or like she said, they just sometimes people try to retaliate, like the people that tried to open a bar because they were mad at us for preaching the truth, and that didn't get them anywhere. But uh, the opposition really it, it it started then, and then I started realizing, man, this is this is this is getting hard. So this is the first few years of starting the church, and I've always heard that the first four or five years of beginning the church is the hardest and I can testify tonight that it is and we went through many attacks I mean some serious attacks and from some people in you know in coming to church 
It started with the one, well, the ones that were here from Baton Rouge, but they, they, thank they God, gone. they got gone because they had a bad spirit, and they, it manifested as I began to preach and took take the lead on how we're going to do things in church. Well, they had a lot of disagreements and thought they were going to tell me how I was going to do everything, and that wasn't going to work with me. Because if God calls a man to start a church or his family, and he, they're the leaders, then they're the ones that, that say how the things go. If the people of the church don't like it, they're, they, they're welcome to leave. But you don't stay around and argue and start fights and go around to the calling people at church. He's doing this and he's that, and, and, he's, and, and you start lying to people. And that stuff, it happened. I remember one of them, he did it, and he, we had a, a sister that we moved here from Ohio. I mean, literally, she, she met online. Uh, she was in the Church of Christ. She was in a lot of false doctrine, and uh, she started uh, hearing us preach, and she started, we started talking with her, telling her the truth. God started opening her eyes, and she uh, wanted to leave Ohio and move to Tennessee, and Roger, me and Roger again, <laughs> me and brother Roger went and took a U-Haul and helped her pack every bit of her stuff and brought her here to Tennessee. And she started coming to our church. She was a blessing. Uh, she had the gift to do. To do she um, ran the sound. She, she made She could CDs, run the sound booth. She helped us out. She could make CDs, put labels on them. She was a big help. But then the devil, you know, <laughs> he targeted her also and he used some people in the church to do that. That couple kidnapped her. Pretty actually much. kidnapped her and held her in a, in a in a hotel room and made it was it was you wouldn't believe that Christians would do such a thing that have come from Baton Rouge. She but was they she did. was she called, with it was us. almost like they called us for a ransom. It was she yeah. they finally they held her for days and we didn't know where she was. She was staying with us at our house. We yes. were helping her to get her a place. So we hit, let her stay with us to we give her some her how work, to drive. Taught her how to drive. Got her she got a car. She did things she never did. Her family was blown away. They could not mm-hmm. believe she was doing the things she was doing. And I mean her life was going good. And then um they got one, one day we came home from church, she, I guess, and she, she was, was gone. We and came home all from her work stuff or somewhere, and she was gone. All of her stuff and her. Yeah, and we were like, and they took she, her phone. They held her up in a. They would not let her talk to us. Mm-mm. We did for days. We didn't know what happened to her. I mean, we're worried, sick, and finally, I, somehow, I don't know what. Ha- I don't remember exactly what happened, but she got a hold of us and told us what happened. But we we she got her. Everything. She came back anyway, but and. After they more or less kidnapped her, but it was it was awful. It was it, it was, was awful, and <laughs> they you know these people cause they tried to cause a lot of trouble. And the 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 thing was that they just lived like four miles down the road from us on the same road, and we yeah. would have to drive by their house every time we go in and out. And I mean, and and. He, he went to Baton Rouge telling lies on us, and he was trying to divide our church. He's trying to get people to leave our... It was so bad that I called. I got in touch with Brother Donnie down at Brother Swagger's ministry. I said, there's an issue we got with a man that came from your church, and said, we need to stop this, and he needs to stop. And I said, I need you to help me figure out what to do. And I said, uh, I'm coming to camp meeting here soon, and, I, and he was going to the the fellow that was causing the problems, but he didn't know I was going because I didn't tell anybody. And I had another brother that was coming to our church with us. He went with me to camp meeting, 
And so we, we called a meeting and took him. He didn't know I was coming, called a meeting, took him to the back office. Me, him, Brother Donnie sat down, and we all talked. And I explained to him, what Donnie, what he was doing. And, you know, Donnie cor- tried to correct him. He wouldn't take it, though. And he, so he left out of there. He didn't take the correction. He, got, he lied. He went telling more and more lies, but at least he was told to stop. And uh, it got so bad that uh, we, we were advertising church services, revival services. We put flyers up down in town in a restaurant. He'd go pull them down. <laughs> uh, we had, we had, a, I had a, I had a, we had a, um, like a real estate sign on our, on our property where we used to live in Nyota, yeah. out there, right out by the road. That we were advertising our church meetings and everything with come home one day and shoot, ripped up out of the gram. I knew he did it. I knew for sure he did it. I couldn't prove it, but I knew deep inside it. I knew he did it. I thought it was a good thing I, I didn't catch him because. <laughs> That's before we had cameras. <laughs> a lot of stuff went through my mind, though, I promise you. <laughs> so if you wonder why we have cameras everywhere, <laughs> and it's because there's crazy people out there that call themselves Christians that will do stuff to you. The opposition doesn't. So much come from the world. It comes from people that call themselves if Christians. If I had had a way to wire up a battery with a charge <laughs> to that sign so that it would knock somebody down, I probably would have done it if I'd known he was going to do it. But it's a good thing. But I knew, I knew who did it. He was, And this was after we came back from camp meeting after we had the meeting with Donnie. Soon after, As soon as we got back, my sign was gone. So I knew he did it. And and that 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 happened with him, and then we had a few others. I'm not here to talk about all the bad things that happened, but, but it, you know, it, it's funny. We now. learned from it. it is but funny. it was very. The attacks in the beginning were very hard. Very hard. It was very hard to have people um, stand up in your church while you're trying to have <laughs> church and say hateful things about you. It's hard to have somebody come into your office and talk bad about your daughter to your face. And it, it was it was very difficult to have people. We've had people come up to us right before church, and uh, and and just make us just want to go home, saying things to us and calling calling saying things that were unnecessary. Yeah. It's many times when we left and we knew enough. I mean, we were still young Christians, but whenever we left churches, we never called people in the congregation. We never, never went up to them and said, this is why we're leaving and you need to do this. And you never. Need. We never did that. You don't do stuff Because like that. we just knew. And of course, we had a lot of, lot of, we listened to Brother Donnie and you know, he's hardcore to me. Um, but I, we like that. We need that. Right. And then Brother Jimmy, we would listen to them and we kind of learned what to do and what not to do and how you conduct yourself as a believer and as a Christian. And you, you don't do that. And we knew we couldn't, at times we couldn't believe that people would do that and it would hurt. And then you wonder why we have thick skin as you hear Donnie say it. I know why Donnie, Brother Donnie, is the way that he is. I've, I, I know a lot, not everything, not even a drop in the bucket, but a lot of what... He has gone through over the years, has made him, um, has taught him to be the way that he is. And if he wasn't, he would lay down and cry at every little bitty thing and he would not be bold enough to stand, him and Brother Jimmy, to run that church with all the opposition. I mean, if we faced opposition like we did as a very small church and they're global, you can imagine. So we learned that you just don't do that. You just... 
you just shut up and leave. If you don't like what a church is doing, you don't have to prove them wrong. Right. And you don't have to go on social media to make yourself look so great that you're right. All that matters is that God, what God knows. That's right. You don't have to prove to a town or a congregation, but just like them taking this girl, this um, friend of ours, and taking her, we've had others come into the church and, and pull people out, come in and do that. That's why we know that there are wolves in sheep clothing that do. We have experienced it. We don't just say those things without the experience, knowing that that's what happens in churches. All Christians aren't what you think they are. We don't want you to walk around thinking, I wonder if they are. Right. But but you have to be aware. And that's where I believe that in the beginning, the Lord blessed us with discernment. To, to know and to recognize and identify when there is a problem or there is an issue or someone is a problem or an issue in the church and to go ahead and address it well, before it affects the whole body. Because like these people we were just talking about, they drew this girl out. They drew her out. And there's been others along the way that do that. And you, ha- you, cannot, let the, you cannot let the enemy come in and steal the sheep. Now, you can't control what happens outside these doors, but you can warn people, and that's why we do warn people. We've seen it over time and time again. It happened, and we care about people. We, I learned uh, the reason why somebody comes to you on a Wednesday afternoon just before church says, I don't have a meeting with you. No, you're not. Mm-mm. Maybe after church I'll talk to you. Or if somebody <laughs> says... Take a number, and when that number's called, then you can come. <laughs> yeah, I want to have a meeting with you, you know, and, and another lesson I learned is when somebody walks up that you, or you may even know them, says, hey, can I have the microphone? I got some things I'd like to say to some people. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, learn from some hard experiences. We had a woman one time that we were meeting at another place. And, uh, Maple Plaza. Yeah, and she... Well, the issue was that it was, I don't know, some three or four weeks before all this stuff happened. Um, during the service, we were praying for people, whatever. I was, I remember I was praying for her, praying over her, and I was rebuking evil spirits, you know, that were coming against her. I could sense that the Satan was trying to, you know, affect her and everything. So I was praying against it, and I believe her sons were there then at the time. And I, she somehow let the devil convince her to think that I said I was saying she had the devil in her. I never said anything like that. Well, that was her son and her grandson, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And they just gotten saved. They that, had just they gotten had saved. come to church with her. I mean, and as soon as he got in there and got in his seat, he ran to the altar and gave his life to the Lord. And there was a change. They started coming, and then all of a sudden, she ends up. So she. Uh, she at the end of the service one day when I got finished preaching, she'd already asked me once, can I say something? And I was just like, I kind of held off for a minute, you know, and I just kind of brushed her aside. And then I waited a few minutes or whatever toward the end of the service, and I looked at her, and I'm like, you know, well, I guess maybe she's got something she's going to bless somebody or something. I said, come here, you know, I give her a mic. And she took that microphone, <laughs> and she began to tear me down and say that I said that she had the devil in her and that I was oh. the devil. And I, and I took that, I took the mic and said, ma'am, no, I did not. I ain't said anything like that. And I took it. And I mean, she tried to cause disruption right there in the church. I remember one of the brothers that was there, he got up, Steve. he said, that ain't right. And he said, I'm he leaving. Left. 
You know what she did. But you got to know that this woman went through, you got to remember, she went through the whole church service like normal. She acted normal. So she knew what she was going to do. Uh-huh. And her husband played the guitar and sang. That's the first time we If I had paid closer but, attention, I believe the Lord was telling me, you know, not to let her do it to begin with, but I learned. Yeah. That's, that's so how her, I learned. She drew the son, the grandson, and her husband out of that church. Because of what she did. That's why we don't we don't just let anybody come to church and do whatever they want. Um, you know, I don't just give a microphone to anybody. You don't know what they're going to say. The leadership needs to be in charge of that stuff. And if I feel like somebody has something to say, like say Robert, we're having church or something. Robert, I, you know, if Lord's got something laid, something on your heart, got a testimony, or something you want to share with somebody, and the Lord's put it on your heart, you share it. But it's but it says we feel the Lord. If if I don't feel the Lord's you know, in it, and you don't, then we don't do it. You know, I, the, the pastors are going to have a sense of what, what's right and what's wrong, whether you do it or not. There's got to be leadership. There's been several, I'm going to say maybe a couple of times, I'm going to say several, a couple of times that we were at camp meeting, and they have asked people to leave, that you could yeah. tell they're, they were acting like they were praising the Lord, there's been um, one instance for sh- that I can remember, and it was sensual. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, you could see Donnie looking at the usher, and the usher knew immediately to go. And they asked them to leave, and she came right back and did it again. And then there's been others that would try to give tongues a message out, and you knew. Out you, of order, And same. they would stop it. So we knew that... You know, watching these things, people, you can learn a lot, and you can, you, you, you have, somebody has to take the lead. My dad used to say, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. You know, for every tribe, there's a chief, and then there's Indians. There, there can't be, everybody can't be a chief. So the leadership has to take initiative. They have to take the lead and conduct it. And you know what? If you don't agree with it, then you have to just place them and their decision in the Lord's hands and say, God, I, you know, I don't agree with this or whatever. But you you can't control every place. You don't do that at the workplace, and you can't do it at church. And that's what people want to do. They want to take over. Their their motives are are incorrect. They have the wrong motive. But you have to, somebody has to be in charge. Well, it's just like a boss on a job. I mean, the boss has to be the boss. They have to tell everybody what to do, and everybody's not going to like the decisions of the boss. Everybody doesn't always agree, but they still have to do it. There's a job to do. Right, and as long as it doesn't go on your job, as long as it's not going outside the will of God and doesn't go against the Bible, you just, if they want you to paint the walls green and you think that's ugly, you know what? Give me the green paint. I'm going to paint it green. If that's what you want, if it's ugly, then you're going to get all the feedback from that. But you just do that because you can submit. You know, that's what people don't want to do. Everybody wants to lead and they don't want, which we're not, it's not that anybody is any greater, it's that we submit one to another. We respect one another. Satan is a, he's clever too. He tries to use people in a, in a uh, seductive way, like she said, and, and also with false doctrine. Um, He'll try to use people to twist twist the word of God to make it mean something that it doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. I remember the, 
the lady we started having the trouble with. And, you know, started off, she was good for a while. Lord would use her. She would even be using the you gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, and she would be using the gift of the Spirit at times. But then, over time, things started, you know, going south. And I remember... Um, this is when texting started to become a big thing. We text people and whatnot. And I remember one day I was out on a job, and I don't know how it got started. I was doing some AC work up in Loudoun, and this woman, she was texting me. We were talking about something doctrinal, and it, 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 uh, well, somehow we got on the subject of alcohol, and then she started sending me scriptures to try to prove to me that alcohol was okay. And I said, hold on a minute, hold on. And I'm thinking... She's, she's, she's sending me this stuff, and she's saying, well, the Bible doesn't condemn alcohol. Actually, it's, 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 there were some scriptures that I, I have seemed to think it's okay. I said, no, it's not okay. No, it's not. The Bible condemns it. So I would text, you know, what scriptures I had. Go back to Proverbs. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived by there is not wise. Who has woes? Who has contention? Who has sorrow? Who has wounds without cause? Those that tarry at long at the wine, those who seek mixed drink, strong drink, it causes all kinds of sin and wickedness and problems, and it nearly destroyed my life. And I'm thinking, you picked the wrong person to be trying to, to tell that drinking alcohol is okay. So she tried to go on and on with me to argue this, while all along, I believe the message of the cross. And I'm thinking, what is wrong here? And so over time, she got worse. She started with other stuff. And then she would, she would talk to my wife, you know, uh, at times that I didn't know what they were talking about. And she was supposedly having some struggles with some things. And my wife would call, she would call my wife at times. My wife would pray for her. She would try to help her. But then my wife said, you know, well, she's doing some things that just, I'm not going to tell you, she said, but they're not good. And it could destroy her. It could destroy her family. And I, she never told me anything about it. But um, I was, I know I was being led by the Lord in what I was preaching. And at times I would, when I was preaching, I would call out certain sins. We'll come to find out. She was she was committing some of these things I didn't know anything about, but the Lord, Holy Spirit, knew it. She told me later on, you know, after all this stuff come to a head, and um, you know, she's big time on Facebook right now. She thinks she's got a lot of followers, and she's a deceiver still, right to this day, trying to deceive people in this town in Athens, Tennessee, claiming that that she knows the message of the cross, and she's uh, being deceived by some other people. But if you could really get down to the below the surface and get her, set her down with the Bible and read through Scripture and say, "Give me some understanding of this," you would be shocked at what she what she thinks it means, and it's contrary to the Word of God. Deception is real, and you got to be careful of people that are deceptive. And those who use the message of the cross are some of the most deceptive. The ones who claim they know it. Because in the midst of this message truly being preached and the power of God moving, is going to, there's going to come the deceivers, the ones who say they know it, the ones who say they have it. But down below, there's a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
And this woman, she began to bash me more so than anybody. She would get on the Internet, and it's me all the time, bashing me, bashing me, bashing me, about twisting something I said. And she never, she, she'll, never, she'll never take a whole message and listen to all of it in the context. It's just this or this or this and, you know, something that's said and twist it. And, you know, she's still at it today. And she's divisive, and she's bringing she's bringing a lot of confusion to a lot of people on Facebook, on the internet. She left this church years ago, and I thought, praise God, she's gone because <laughs> when <problem>. she left, <laughs> when she left, that bad spirit left. You say you've heard her say this before, and and I don't I don't like like it really, but I do. Some people when they start becoming a real serious problem, and they're doing stuff like this. When they leave, you feel a relief. You feel a release. And that's good for the church because they can't disrupt. They can't hinder. They can't harm other people in the church. And that's what some of these people, that's what they'll try to do. So when they, when many times when they leave, they're mad at me. They have a vendetta against me. They'll go to the Internet. They'll go to Facebook, and they'll try to uh, cast some doubt upon me somehow so that they can get you to listen to it and say, oh, maybe she's right. Maybe he shouldn't be saying that and get you to start doubting the word and missing what God wants to have for you. And like she said, it, it, it's true. We never left one single church and ever called one person when we left the church and said, you need to get out of there. The we person, don't like what he said. The only person never. that we told that to was Roger. But he, we were, we knew Roger from the day we got saved, more or less. But the Lord was in what, what And he was coming to us, and he had problems. And he was coming to us, and, and at, the, at one point in time, we told him, you have to leave that church. But. He was in a church that was preaching some false doctrine, and we well we know because we were we used to go to the church, and he but they kept, got worse and worse as time went. It on. kept troubling him, and and he mm-hmm. would come to our house to see us, and he would always feel that there was something different with us, and he knew that we loved him, and we'd talk with him, we'd explain things, and and there were times I had to tell him, I said, Roger, you know these these preachers you listen to, they're wrong, Roger. This Kenneth Copeland's this word of faith stuff, it's wrong, Roger. He'd get mad, he'd leave. His face would turn blood red, but he'd keep coming back. He'd keep coming back, and the last time it ever happened, I, I'll never forget it, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit, and and he was troubled. He was having problems, and and the Lord moved on me, and I looked at him. I said, Roger, I said, I'm going to tell you right now, your problems are related to the church. You're, you're having these spiritual issues because of the church, the stuff you're listening to. I said, the Lord said, you need to get out. And his eyes got real big, man. He just stopped and he looked at me and you could tell he felt it. And sure enough, he left. He left it. He got out of it. He quit listening to the false doctrine and he started listening to the truth. And wow, did Roger's life begin to change. I mean, you we literally watched his life change when he left the false doctrine. And so sometimes the Lord may be telling you, yeah, you need to get out of that church. If they're preaching blatant false doctrine, but here's here's another thing. Roger didn't get on the phone and call the other people of that church and say, y'all better get out. He didn't go around trying to go to people's houses and say, I left there, you better leave there. He never went to anybody. That's the way you leave a church. But see, if you got issue and you're just mad at somebody, then you're going to try to take everybody with you that you can. 
And that's what these people try to do on the Internet. If they, if they can't get to us, they want to get to the people. They want to get to the people in the church. That's why you got to be careful what you listen to and watch on Facebook and read and pay. you got to be, pay attention to people. This woman is still at it today, and she's probably worse than she's ever been. She's evil. She is literally evil, evil, while all along claiming to know the message of the cross Deception is real, folks. Anybody that would get on the internet and tell the public that someone has the right words are still saying the right words, but they have strayed in their heart is a witch. That's what she said about Jimmy Swagger. I mean, she flat out says that he's got the right words, but his heart ain't right. How, I thought, how evil can It's her be? heart that isn't right. How and you evil can say can that be? because she said that. How could you say that about anybody? And that, but see, that's to try to make... Here's this man, 80, almost 89 years old, who's been in the ministry for 60, 70 years, who knows the Bible inside and out. And she's saying, he ain't. He don't know. He's saying he it, but he, he don't ain't right. Know, and they, there's a whole group of them. She's saying he's not saved. He's left he's, the message. He's telling of the you cross. the right words, but he's not saved. But the reason she says that is because he is saying the right message. Right. And she doesn't have anything she can say against the message. So she's going to attack the man's heart. Exactly. You have to be careful. And most people go, oh. but what they're not listening to is she. She's, is what she is saying. Oh, his message is right. His words are right, but his heart is not. Because she can't come against the correct doctrine. So then you find something else, which is usually what has happened here many times when people have left. They've said, well, he was too mean. Well, they shouldn't have said it that way. Or they shouldn't have done that. And they should have done this. They should have let my son sing. They should have let my <laughs> daughter play this. They shouldn't have let. It's nothing doctrinal. It's right. always some, a characteristic or how they said it or what they didn't allow me to do when they let somebody else do it. It's nothing. And that's the way the devil works. He just twists things. But that aside, they we're at Maple well, they, Plaza now. They, they did it with the Apostle Paul, though. Yeah, they did. Many times. They, they said his, his, um, his physical they bodily, they said his physical body presence is, is weak. His speech is contemptible. He's nothing. Well, they said that Jesus but, cast out the devil by the devil. Right. I mean. So they, they go after a person's character, like, yeah. or try to create these flaws to try to get people to stop listening to them. That's the whole thing, so that they won't listen to them. Don't listen to them, listen to me. Right. And this is what a lot of these group of these people are doing. So anyways, uh, she she left, thank God, but she's, she's still doing damage to people today. And yeah. it's sad, you know. It's if you want to know her name, you can ask me after church. Yeah, but you probably don't need to. You don't need to look it up. <laughs> no, but, you don't. But... Like that's that's eight, ten years ago since she's been gone. But as we said, you know, she's there's been many things that exist anyway. So her, others, I don't know how many others after that. We've had a few problems. Well, we had a few with some people here and there. But well, anyways, we, we spent 
to about two and a half to three years at the hotel. And then we um, ended up, the hotel was closing. I yeah. believe they were closing up, so we had to we had to go somewhere. And we were, but this time we're believing God for a church. We had been looking at the old skating ring in Iota. We were actually believing God for that building. We had a, we had our hearts set on that building, and over and over, I just kept feeling, you know, thinking, man, that's that's a big building, you know. But a lot a lot of work had to be done just to even to have a church in it. It's a skating ring. Looking back on it now, I think, man, I was crazy. But anyways, at least we had faith. We were looking for something. We were believing God for something because we just knew that the Lord wanted us to have a permanent place. So uh, we ended up at Maple Plaza off of Maple Street down in Athens, a little storefront building, another little storefront, uh, half the size of this maybe, and 30, 40 people, I guess, here and there. They'd come, they'd go. And we stayed there for about, I guess, what, two years? About two years. We had services there. And then one one day, uh, my wife told me that uh, the real estate, our real estate agent, the lady that had helped us get our house that we were living in, she got in touch with my wife, I think it was, and said, uh, she said, I know y'all been looking for a church building. She said, I, I have something I think you all might be interested in. So my wife told me about it. And at first, I... I turned it off. No, 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 I don't want nothing. We're going to get that place in now. We're going to get that skate ring. No, 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 I don't want to. So a couple of hours went by, and I got to thinking about it, and I was thinking, well, what if, maybe, what if the Lord might have something else? You know, maybe maybe, maybe we ought to look at it. So she, I told my wife, I said, well, tell her, let, let, we'll, we'll look at it. So we set up an appointment, and we drove down here, and we got out, we walked into this building, we and as it. soon as we walked through those double doors there, I felt the presence of God come on me, and now, yeah, yeah. It, so that was... 2010, 2000, beginning of 2011, the, yes. like this 11, January. 12, no, not yet, 11 or 10, at the 11. end of 10, 11, and I'll tell you why. It's in my Bible that got... And I'll tell you why, yeah, that's right, Left right. in Africa. So about it's about March, February, March. So uh, we we met her. We could we prayed. We gathered in a circle here. We were right standing right in that aisle. We walked into this place. These pews were here. They had just put a new metal roof on this yeah. building. It been this building had been set empty for about a year. It or was so. in foreclosure. It was a church in it foreclosure, was and all the carpet, everything was here. We've done some rearranging up here and added and changed some stuff, but. Uh, there was an old piano here, an old organ sitting on one side, and uh, we just we could sense it, and we prayed, and and we we said, Lord, if this is you, then you got to make a way for for this to happen. So, in the process of this, we made an offer. She made an offer that day or the next day, and yeah. they, they accepted it in three days. But so, but something happened in the before this in the process. After I that. was. Was it after? Because that was in because January. Because we had to go to the bank. We were trying to get, the bank told us that they okay. would finance it, and they and lied they to us. It was BB&T, and they gave us the runaround until I figured it out and got upset with them. And then they, they wouldn't, so then I found a bank, Athens Federal, that would. So in March, then, March 11th, March 11th, as we had, done, as we this had was, gotten the bank. This was the March paperwork. 11th. I was out yeah. riding my motorcycle one morning, Robert. Going through a little town, and 
uh, White County, Sparta, Tennessee, and an 85-year-old grandma pulled right out in front of me. I T-boned her. And the bone came out of my leg, I think. Broke my ankle, broke tibular, fibular. I was laying in the middle of the road. Didn't know what was going on. Hit, got jumped up and tried to walk off, and I fell down. I hit the ground. Told her my motorcycle out. And she drove, tried to drive off and leave, and it's just a wild situation. It's like the devil tried to leave me for dead. So now here I am landing. It was on Saturday. I, was, I had my message ready to preach on Sunday. Had stuff going through my mind about preaching. And I'm landing the road, and first thing that came to my mind, well, I ain't going to be able to preach tomorrow. I want to get James to preach. So, But anyways, that was only the beginning of some of the worst pain I have experienced in my life that went on for five or six years. I was in a wheelchair, and... So we went to the bank we went, in the beginning of April and signed the papers with I was you in a wheelchair. In the, yeah. I was in a wheelchair. We went into the bank in a wheelchair and that I signed man, the papers. The Lord had that man at that bank because he said, I'll make this happen. Yeah. And we trusted him and he did. He made it happen. He, ma- he made it happen. And it was not long. Uh, um, I think, however he made it, the paperwork, we went in, we signed, and then it wasn't, I want to say, another year, maybe three years later, he was about to leave, and our loan, I didn't under, know at the time until he told us, but our loan was coming due, which means we were going to have to refinance because it was a business loan. And he said he had called me and said, I'm going to retire, and I need to set this loan so that you don't have to worry about it again. And he did what he had to do and told us what we needed to do, and he set that loan so that it never had to be um, come renewed again. I don't know if y'all know what any of that means. It doesn't matter, but he fixed it before he retired so that we wouldn't have to worry about doing that again, that we would have this church until it was paid for. I remember when we went to the bank, I was still in a wheelchair, but I had crutches, and we were like, she's like, you might better go in there on them crutches. You might want to look good going in here on a wheelchair. We just were to sign these papers. And I remember I limped in on crutches, trying to make myself look a little better, you know. But it did, Lord. I mean, and that. So you got to think about that. We we had all this in the making, and it's like the devil just tried to stop it immediately with that wreck and everything. If you if you want to know why it mattered, not this came to my mind it was why. When we're going in there to sign papers, why you're like, what does it matter if he's on credit? It's the church. The church is a church, but it, it's not a person. It doesn't work. It takes somebody. We had to put our income. We had to put our our finances up, saying that if the church couldn't make the payment, that we would make it. So that's why with somebody who's <laughs> been crushed by a car, yeah. walks in the bank and he's going to say, how are you going to make a payment? <laughs> so that's work? why I was like, you better get on those crutches right now and get in there so that we don't wait. But the man wasn't even worried about it, didn't question it at all. We just went in there and signed. But that's why it mattered. I was still in the heating and air conditioning business at the time. I was doing jobs on crutches. I was. It was just a few months after. I still remember my baby brother was here then. He was helping me, and I had a job. I had a uh in Knoxville, Knoxville, I had a, a guy, a man that had two duplexes. I did work for him, needed needed two systems completely changed out. The air handlers were in the attic, 
conditions were outside, and I went, and my brother, he drove me, you know, and I'd walk on crutches. I'd carry tools in, and I'd pull, I'd set a ladder up and push myself up and get up on the ladder and drag myself and pull myself up in the attic just by my hands. And I'd tell my brother, give me my drill, give me this, give me that. And I just started taking everything apart. And I'd stick this down through the attic to him, take this, take this. And it had to be the Lord. That's all I can tell you. And we did those jobs and got every bit of that stuff changed out in two or three or four days and had those things up and running and cooling with me with a a broken leg. And I look back on that stuff and I think, "How how did I do that? You know, the Lord was in it. And, um, but... So anyways, we got we got this building, and we came in, we, and all that happened. We had, what, 20, we, 20 30 people, we I guess, at, at the Maple time? We were at Maple Plaza that night, and after, I believe after we signed papers. I told everybody We told we everybody, do. and we all drove over here and prayed. And it was stinky in here because it had been sitting, but we all came over here and prayed. And I remember the Lord saying, there's going to be some that won't walk through those doors with you, yeah. meaning that in the process of getting this place ready to come into and getting out of that one, some people weren't going to be walking. And I thought, that's strange. How could everybody not be so excited? But the devil's at work. Yeah, we had some people had- leave right in, right in the midst of that, as a matter of mm-hmm. fact. But I remember when we left that building over there the, that day, I told everybody, I, they didn't know, I said, Everybody, I said, when we get finished with this service today, I said, I want you to take those chairs you're sitting in. I want you to pick them up. And I said, I want you to stack them up in the corner. I said, because you're not going to be sitting on in them anymore. We're going to our new church building. They were like, huh? So, you know, we had, we had this building. And we came up. We got in this building. And there was work that had to be done. I was broke leg. I was in here dragging myself around with a cast on. She's like, you better quit. You better quit moving around. You better take it easy. And I was dragging those, well, pews that, there, used to, there was pews sitting back here against the wall, two or three of them, but there were no room yeah. to move around, so we had to get them moved. I'm laying on the floor with a drill, pulling the screws out and getting people to move stuff around. We're cleaning stuff up. Place needed to be painted. The walls needed cleaning. And we, that's how we came in here. We just went to work cleaning. And, and I remember we had our first service. We were really excited. The Lord gave us something already set up when we were expecting and willing to take that old junky building and turn it into something for the Lord just so that the people would have a place we were willing to do it and the Lord was like well we got to believe for something and I got something even better for you if you'll just trust me we paid this thing off what three years ago when we were coming back from Africa I was sitting on an airplane just out of nowhere I knew it was the Lord the Lord spoke to me he said I want you to start asking for help to pay the church off when you get back, and I mean, I felt the presence of God. I thought, whoo, all right, Lord. So I started asking people, started telling people, and people started giving. What, a year, year and a half or so, we ended up paying this whole thing off. Every bit of it's paid off. We don't owe anything on it. When we bought this place with two acres of land, almost well, almost two acres, everything you see here, every bit of it was $82,000 is all we paid for this. And we put. And it's probably worth three times, four times that now, of course, with the prices of everything going up, and we got plans for out back to build. So you're looking at a miracle right here. I mean, this this place is a miracle. God and, had it set and ready for us. And Satan, has he has fought it from the time, as you can tell us, from the time we came in. He He's fought it. Had but, our air conditioning stolen? 
Oh, hey, we've been through it. I came in. <laughs> I came in one Wednesday night and walked through the doors, and I said, "Whew, it feels hot in here." Of course, I'm in the air conditioning business. Then I worked on them, and I said, "Something ain't right." I looked at that thermostat, and it was up about 82 degrees. I said, "Oh, that's too hot. <laughs> that's too hot." So I walked out. Walked out. Was going to go around to check the condenser, and I walked around the corner, and I went, oh, "It's gone." And sure enough, you know, when people, when the the, the people were going around, guys still in air conditioners for copper and stuff copper back then. Up. They were doing it all over the place, and they hit our church. They're hitting all the churches. I had a, I had a, I had a, like a four or five ton package unit sitting out back, used when I sat back there that I was going to use later on for something else. They took it. I'm like, golly, they got the other unit. And I'm like, are you serious? So we, I, you know, we came in. I think we might have had a couple fans. We had turned fans on. We went on and had church, and um, it was hot. But uh, I was, I was upset. You know, who wouldn't be? You know, and especially somebody, had to call the police. Call the police. They and were just things. like, yeah, okay. And I was like, no, you got to get fingerprints and footprints, and you got. And they weren't even. They weren't really concerned with it. I mean, I guess they knew there were so many going on, they weren't going to catch them. So that, that's when we installed cameras to, to yep. begin with. I said, well, if they're not, people are not going to do anything, we got to at least have cameras so that we can see, you know, what's going on and if we catch somebody ourselves if we have to. But um, Between the thieves and the enemies. <laughs> but, but it backfired because the insurance covered every bit of it and paid me to put it in. I was in air-conditioned business, so it turned out good for everybody. We got a whole new system put in and everything, and well, now we got, well, we got, that was before we all just put the new one in under here three years ago. We, about three years ago, we were able to take and pull everything out from her. I took every bit of all the old duct work out, the old system, every bit of them. We, Curtis, Mr. Jones, some of them helped me put us a brand new big package unit all locked up in the gate and everything. So, and, you know, that's, it's, it works a whole lot better than the other system did, too. So the Lord's blessed us. We you know. started going live in here as well. Started doing live streaming. Learned that. We learned how to do that. We've come too. a mighty long way. Um, and then uh, 2015, the Lord opened the doors to Africa. Something else we never expected. We weren't even thinking about it. We didn't plan it. And here, here we go, you know, got a pastor from Africa contacting us and asking us, would we come? And we'd never been in, we'd never been out of the United States, you know, and this is a big thing, you know, so I want, we want to make sure it was the Lord and everything. And we started sensing it was the Lord. And we, you know, we started conversing back and forth through emails. We got to know him and that was the first trip we took. And it was a life changing experience. It just changed our whole world to, to see how God moved there and to comparing that to the United States and how things are so much different and how the power of God seems to be so much stronger there than it is here because many of them, they're desperate. They don't have a lot of stuff. They don't have a lot of money. They don't have a lot of things that we have here. So they, they, they literally, they really have to depend on the Lord every second of every day. And that's what we're all supposed to do, to be honest with you. And to see their economy is so much different than ours. Most of us couldn't live there. You couldn't live there. You'd be on a plane back here in two weeks. <laughs> and that's why, you know, when we, we've had to learn to rough it there. And, you know, thank Lord for, you know, our old center days when we used to go to Talladega and to the racetracks and we'd camp out for the weekend and sleep on a blanket maybe in the back of a truck or <laughs> 
something. We just we didn't go to watch the race. We just went to party. But we rough it. So we had some roughing skills. So when we go to Africa, we we learn how to adapt, you know, and not, uh, you know, didn't get to eat the foods you normally eat. So you have to make adjustments, and it may it makes it hard on you, but it's good though, it's good because it starves your flesh, mm-hmm. and it causes you to have to trust the Lord more. And I think that's why God moves uh, a lot of the ways that He does. And you know, there, a lot of them they're big on fasting. A lot of them they do it for the right reasons. Uh, they they would fast tell us we're the time we would get ready to leave to get on an airplane they said we're going to the mountain tomorrow to pray for you we're going to fast until y'all get back home <laughs> you know I mean that's just something for the right reasons and we in America we can't go you know an hour if we're thirty minutes past <laughs> our breakfast you know we're Ugh! hangry you know you're hangry but that's you know that's we're that that's where this began, Africa here, 2015. Then what, 16, 17? We were going a couple times a year, 18 more, and more. Mexico, El Salvador, Pakistan. Honduras, Pakistan, and I don't I don't know what's next. We're praying about where to go this year. If the Lord's opened the door and sent us somewhere, we're trying to find out where He wants us to go. That's why we're always re- receiving money for missions. And asking people to give, you know, year-round for the missions because we know that the doors are open. I don't know. Right now it seems kind of calm, you know, kind of idle. And I'm fine with that because I'm not going to try to push something open the Lord hasn't pushed. I want to know it's God and go where he wants us to go. And when we do, then we know that we'll see great things happen. And so Michaela, of course, Michaela came along. After we got saved, we said we told her we don't believe you would have come if we hadn't got saved. We don't think what God would have given you to us if we had not given our lives to you because you're the miracle baby. And she, you know, she was born in 2000, September the 8th of 2000. And then from the time she was just a little bitty thing running around with little piggy tails in her hair, she'd run around the house. She'd, she'd sit in front of that television all the time. Many times watching Brother Swagger, watching those singers. And she'd get up, she'd imitate them from time to time, and she'd be saying, I got a feeling everything going to be all right. I got a feeling. And she starts singing those songs over, and she that's, that's all she did. She sang, and she sang, and she sang. And the Lord spoke to us, though, may I remember before she was born, and he said that he has a purpose for her, that baby, and that he's going to use her in a great way. And she hasn't even seen. She hasn't even begun to see how God is going to use That's why the devil has fought our family. He's fought her. You need to pray for your pastors and pray for us, our family, our daughter. And now we got a beautiful little grandbaby. Where's he at? He's going to like to sneak him in here before we yeah. get out of here. But God has a has a call on these, these kids' lives. And she hasn't even begun to see what the Lord's going to do with her. You know, she's just 23 years old, going on 24, you know, in September. But the Lord told me, he said, I'm going to use her in this specific gift. He told me he was going to use her in. And it's going to come to pass, but Satan hates it. He fights those who are called of God. He don't fight anybody. If, you ain't, if you're not trying to serve the Lord and do what he's called, he ain't going to fight you. And our family, you know, we go through attacks. You know, she's had her own problems recently. She's, you need to pray for her. Don't yeah. kick her. Don't bash her. Pray for her. Be an encouragement to her. Some of you that's been through some of the stuff. And now, Michaela, where are you? I want my grandson in here. 
Because I don't show him Michaela's been in all, all the attacks and all the things that have happened before church. You got to remember that when we would come to church early, Michaela would be here. So when those attacks would come, Michaela would be here. She would see us crying and being attacked she would hear the things that people say to us in the open Austin, in front of her Michaela? but we always would tell her after these things would happen tell that we don't baby. hate those people that we have to love them and the people that would come the people that would go that you if they were to come back we have to treat them the same right so she's been taught that not to hate the people for what they've done to her mom and dad right absolutely that's why she's such a forgiving girl Sometimes too forgiving, I say. <laughs> and this right here is our grandbaby, Lord and mercy, Malachi. Everybody at church knows Malachi. Young camera Malachi, say hello. He's stuck in his face, he's drooling all over the place. He's got two little teeth popped in the bottom, so cute. And I mean, he's just the happiest little baby you ever seen in your life. He's a good little... I've never in my life seen a baby so good. I told Michaela we love her. She bragged on her how beautiful she was and everything. She said, well, y'all love him more than you did me. Well, <laughs> no, it's just a grandbaby. Look at he's. I think he turned sideways to look at that fan. Is that Miss Karen? Say, hey, yo, Miss Karen. You got pops by the hand. <laughs> there you go. Talk to him. So everybody watching, this is Malachi. This is our grandson, Malachi. He's seven, seven, months. seven months old. Hair's finally coming in. Teeth are coming in. He's just growing. It won't be long. He'll be crawling. He'll be walking. We'll be chasing him all over the house. And about a year or so, we're going to have us a go-kart, I think. Start having some fun. Right, Lucas? we got to have a go-kart for the grandkids. <laughs> So we want everybody to see Malachi. We love this baby with everything within us. He's such a precious little boy, and God has a call on this baby's life. We believe that with all of our heart. This baby's special, and God has a call on him. He ain't no accident. He ain't no incident. He is divinely called of God. We believe that with all of our heart, just like his mama is. God's going to use him and his mama in a great, great way. I said, you keep bring that baby to church. You sit on that back pew with him. Let him sit on your lap. Let him listen to me preach. Let him watch you sing and you raise him. And you watch what God will do with him as he grows up. You won't, You don't want to go back to mama right now, do you? You want to go back to mama? <laughs> Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> He's a sweet little thing. Oh, my goodness. I try to get him in the evenings. I take him in my bedroom and lay him on my bed. And I got a little toy car, let him try to push, and a little <laughs> empty pill bottle with some stuff in it. Shake it up. It rattles, and he just he, he shakes it around. I got some nunchucks. Y'all know what nunchucks are? I used to use them when I, when I was a kid. I was Bruce Lee fanatic. I got some. I bought it at a flea market some years ago. I pulled him out, let him on the bed. The other day, he grabbed them things, and he, was, he pulled it back, and... He moved it, and he bonked himself in the head. So I had to take him away from him right now. Wait till he gets a little bit bigger, teach him how to use them. But he's a precious baby boy. So you've heard a little bit of our history tonight, for those of you that hadn't heard it, and maybe some things that you, those of you that go to church, things you have not heard because we don't tell it. You know, there's a lot of stuff we don't ever tell. You know, you may hear me when I'm preaching, mention some things from time to time, but the detail, you don't really hear much of it. 
But that's, you know, that's how we got to where we are. And I'm, I'm 55, she's something. So, but we're still young as far as I'm concerned. I mean, and the Lord told us, God made us a promise. He made us a promise. When I got saved, he made a promise. He said, I'm going to use you to bring thousands of souls into the kingdom. Thousands. I've never let go of that promise. And we've been through hell to see some of it start to come to pass. But we haven't even seen what's coming because the best is yet to come. Because as far as I'm concerned, we're young. I mean, I'm, I, I don't feel my age. I seriously don't. I'm not just saying that I do not feel 55. I don't. I feel good. We're healthy. We try to exercise. We try to eat decent. You know, this cookie monster over here likes the sweet stuff and brings it into the house. By the time I, you know, I'm saying, quit. Don't do any more. I'm trying to, you know, wash my weight a little bit and get it down. Then she just brings more. And so I just quit arguing with her <laughs> over it, you know, and try to overcome the temptation. I took two cookies with me this morning that were left over. No, one and a half. She made them last night, and I seen them laying. I, I thought, there's I no sense him, in letting them lay there I all day long. I let him run out, and he cried until I made more last night. Thank you. So this morning before I left, there was one about one and a half. I thought, man, there's no sense in leaving those cookies there all day. They might ruin. I better take them. I ate them on the way out the door. So, but seriously, I mean, we do. I feel like the Lord, you know, there's still a lot to do with us, a lot to do with this church. And, you know, you're in a, this is a miracle church, and you don't know, again, all the things that we've been through. Some things, you know, you've heard things you won't hear. You never will hear because you don't need to hear it. Satan's tried everything he can to try to hinder us and stop us, but he, had, he hasn't done it. And 25 years, we're still going for the Lord, and if he tarries, hopefully we can say we do another 25. I don't want to be here that long. But, Me either. You know, if you are, you are. you got to prepare. We don't know. We could yeah. be here another 30 years. We could be here another year. We could be here. We could be gone tomorrow. I don't know. But we need to prepare like we're going, we could be here for another 30 years or we could be gone for we could be gone tomorrow we still have to work for the lord and do everything we can to try to get people saved so if you're watching tonight and you're looking for a church a church where the truth is preached you just found it now what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get out of your seat you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone and get out from behind the phone and you're going to have to get in your car and drive and come and experience the power of God because as the old saying is, hey, it's good online, but it's a whole lot better in person. Whole lot better in person. So those of you that are watching, that are searching and looking, come and visit Family Worship Center. 30 minutes is not a long drive. 45 minutes. We've driven over an hour. Most everybody that comes here comes from a different town. Yes. We've got Cleveland, Calhoun. The North City. Yeah. Well, Sugar Land up near where we used to yeah. live. So, I mean, yeah. Half the church drive a good distance or more. So, you know, you don't, 10 minutes is too far. Stop that. No, it's not. Get to church because the Lord wants to do something in these last days. And we yeah. believe that God has ordained this church to do some, see some great things come about in the days ahead. As we preach the gospel, the Spirit of God is going to move. We're going to see God move. And we're going to see him do great things. We're going to pray tonight in close. And I hope all y'all been blessed. I'm glad you came. Hope you learned something tonight. Now, you, if anything, you got more to pray about. You can pray more for us. Now you know a little bit more about what it means to, 
try to lead a church. And she said, we, we don't just do stuff because, well, we're better than you and we're over you. No, we just have to take the lead. We have to put our foot down at times saying no because we're under his headship. So if, if we don't follow his headship and do what we feel like he wants and we just give in to you, we're not listening to him. So when I, when I stand before him, I want him to say, well done. You was not a servant to people. You was a servant to me. You listen to my voice. That's what we all should do is want to please God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, tonight for this testimony. And, God, I pray that you would use it to bless people. I pray you would use it to touch people all around this town, all over the nation, Lord, people in other countries. Lord, those that may be called to ministry, that are struggling, that are having a hard time, I pray you would use this to encourage them, to strengthen them, to show them, Lord, that there is more and you can do greater things in the midst of the opposition. Lord, we ask you tonight that you touch the people that came tonight. We pray that you would bless the families of those here, God. We pray for those that are sick, that you would heal them. If there's anybody watching tonight that's lost, that doesn't know you, that the conviction would hit them and that they would open their heart and cry out for Jesus to come into their life. And, Lord, when they do, change them and set them free. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done, the things that you're going to do. We pray for the coming up service this weekend that you would prepare the hearts, that you would prepare us, and that we we would come, Lord, to lift up the name of Jesus and that people would be saved, healed, blessed by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless everybody. The trumpet don't sound. We got prayer meeting Saturday morning. Is it Saturday morning? Prayer meeting Saturday morning from 9 to 10. If you can come, come and be with us.